Welcome to Care of Souls, a podcast of 180 Ministries where Dr. Stuart Scott serves as the executive director. 180 Ministries equips local churches with biblical counseling by offering counseling, education, and consulting services. Visit our website at 180ministries.org to learn more about how we can serve you. This podcast is being recorded in cooperation with the Masters University, where Dr. Scott also serves as a professor of biblical counseling. Visit their website at masters.edu to learn more about their programs in biblical counseling. Welcome to the Care of Souls podcast. It's a joy to be here again with Pastor Adam and Dr. Scott to discuss the next one another in our series that is Comfort One Another from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 17 and 18 which says, "Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air." And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Guys, it's all yours. Wow, great context mm. here. Sounds a little bit eschatological. Mm-hmm. So tell us what's going on here in First Thess chapter four. Well, as as Paul was writing this letter uh, to the church at Thessalonica, there were several issues he had to address. I mean, he had people that weren't working that he addresses in here, but also one of the 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 issues he's addressing is about their view of a Christ return. And it got confusing. They had loved ones that had died and they thought they would uh, Christ was coming back and that they would all need to be alive to be caught up to be with the Lord. And so they're thinking what's going to happen to our loved ones mm. who died? They missed it. They missed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not going to they're going to miss Christ's uh, glorious return and and so they're grieving. And apparently, as he's writing this, they were grieving as if they had no hope. And it, it was doctrine that was needed. You know, it's, it's truth, uh, God's character, God's promises. And so he says that in verse 13, just up a few verses, where he says, we don't want you to be uninformed, which means we need truth. And oftentimes, as you're trying to comfort one another, uh, they need to be reminded Maybe they just forgot. I mean, we're forgetful people. Peter says, "I stir, you know, write these things to stir you up to remembrance." Mm-hmm. Uh, or they need some teaching on eternal things, not temporal things. On correct doctrine leads to correct living. And here, he just needed to bring to their attention about Christ, uh, not so much the second coming, but the rapture, and the truth that he had taught them, but needed to uh, even give a little bit more uh, so that they would be comforted or encouraged uh, in light of uh, God's truth about their loved ones, that their souls are with the Lord, that their bodies will be resurrected first, and then uh, they will go up first, uh, their soul will be joined with their resurrected body, and then those who are living will be caught up to be with the Lord. Mm. That's so good that doctrine is what oftentimes brings us comfort, it does. isn't it? We're mm-hmm. anxious, we're worried, mm-hmm. we don't know what's going on, and then we come back to the Word, and we're instructed again of what God's Word says about a certain aspect of mm-hmm. our lives, and then we find our comfort in His truth. Yes. You know, I, I remember um, a good friend of mine um, died unexpectedly. I mean, from us. I mean, obviously it wasn't unexpected from the Lord. The Lord took him home, <laughs> Yeah. and he was young. And he had children and wife, and it just, I mean, I was in a state of shock at the time. But I remember uh, his spouse, who was just distraught at what had just happened. 
and she began to think through, if I'd only cooked better, you know, if, if I would have been on more walks with him and he would have been in better shape, or if there was something that she might have done, and I had to bring truth doctrine in mm. to bring comfort to her that our days are numbered. Mm. And this was the number that God wanted him home. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed to kind of bring her back into the truth of God's word and God's sovereignty and his all-wise plan. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't about her cooking. It wasn't about whether he's walking, how much he was walking. And it brought comfort. It, mm-hmm. it, it eased her, mm-hmm. um, the grief. And, and when did you do that, Dr. Scott? Was that on the first day after a week, um, a month in? Uh, that was within a few hours. Okay. Because part of what I'm saying is we want to be a little careful. We say, we're mm-hmm. saying doctrine brings comfort. Right. And yet the flip side of that, if somebody's going through a tragedy mm-hmm. or a trial, we don't want to preach at them. No. Or maybe in that moment just say, well, the sovereignty of God no, brought this right. about. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, But with her, you sense that there is a way still to bring truth and Scripture in a loving, compassionate mm-hmm. way that was really what she needed. Yeah, I think as you are around someone in a crisis like that, you're just listening. You're listening to them. Mm -hmm. You're trying to be there, take care of any immediate needs. Mm -hmm. And when I hear something that someone says, I'm not going to probably jump on it or or deal with it. Mm -hmm. But when I keep hearing it, Mm -hmm. then I'm going, I don't want this person to keep dwelling on things that are not true or honest or right or pure or lovely, good report, virtuous and praiseworthy kind of thoughts. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a fleeting statement she made. She started to actually think she caused his death or could have prevented Mm -hmm. his death. And there was enough statements that I I need to move in in a very caring way especially when children are hearing that, and they might actually be, begin to believe mom did something yeah. or didn't do something. Yeah. I'm going, no, no, no. We, yeah, we mom, wanna... mom killed dad. Yeah, no, Cooked we don't. Want... pork chops, so yeah. now he's gone. <laughs> That's right. So you're right. You don't want to come in preachy, but you're listening to them, and when they're, they're dwelling on something, it's not a fleeting, you know, it comes in and out. It, it's They're dwelling on it. Yeah. We want to help you them want to address with truth. It kindly. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about Romans 8, 28, 29. That seems to be a go-to text that uh, we're talking about here in concept, where somebody's going through a difficult time, and you want to remind them of the sovereignty of God. And so you start to share maybe a Romans 8, 28, for God caused all things to work together for good. And let's say that maybe you're thinking that that would be helpful, and the person's like, I don't want to hear that right now. Yeah. What, what do you do? Just back off, take your foot off the pedal, and just say, hey, you know what? I'm just... I'm just here to help, but right now, let me just <laughs> hug you and comfort you, because, you know, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, yeah. sometimes you might have thought oh, you yeah. read it right, and then you yeah. didn't read it right. And, and you know, I, I don't know that that would be the, the go-to two verses right. that I would want to be bringing up with people right away. So you, d- you didn't bring that up with her in that moment? No, I did not. It was more of the days are numbered doctrine. Yeah, we, well, because she's thinking, uh, I caught this, right. and um, I could have prevented it. And the children are there, and I'm going, I don't want them to start believing that uh, God was all wise and sovereign and cared and he was good. It, in, a, in a way, I did bring around the the fact that God, this was God's care and his wisdom. Yeah. But it was more about uh, this was God's perfect timing 
you know, all of our days are numbered. Mm -hmm. And just to help her with an eternal perspective at the time, I think with the, uh, I'm more listening to people, what are they thinking and processing? You know, so sometimes God's children, uh, even in a crisis, they they respond very well. I mean, think of Job, Mm -hmm. where he just lost everything and his children. And he goes, God gives and God takes away. I'm that, that's pretty phenomenal. I, I yeah. mean, I for an Old Testament sure. uh, character who didn't even have the cross yet and the uh, what, what God had done through Christ. So I'm listening to them, and if they're processing it well, as hard as it is, I want to encourage them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just want to fan that flame and just say, praise God, I want to encourage you. You sound like you're grieving, but you have hope. Uh, just... Uh, I'm not in the, to really instruct them unless I start hearing them dwelling on things that aren't true. Mm. And, then, and then, you know, Romans 8 starts with, you know, God, but it's not his, just his sovereignty. It's all of God, mm-hmm. all of his attributes. And so it might be better to come around with God cares and he loves you mm-hmm. at this time. And I know you don't yeah, there's believe no, that. There's no condemnation. Right. Verse 1 of chapter 8 for yeah. those who are in Christ. And then, of course, we also know in Romans 8, 29, that next verse is basically saying it's all happening and it's been predestined by God to conform you into the image of his Son. Right. And so God, in his care and his love for you, is bringing this about. He's causing it. He's ordained it. He's allowed it. Yeah. Genesis 50, 20, he meant for it to happen. Right. What man meant for evil, God meant for good. Mm-hmm. So it's like, pick your word. But it's the same concept, right? and that's God's sovereign over this, and he's orchestrating even this to help change you, grow you, and make you more like Christ. Yep. And that is actually good news, isn't it? It is, but we, we want to be like Christ glorified. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be like Christ here <laughs> on earth, who is a man of suffering and acquainted with grief, right? We don't want that. We don't want to be like him like that. We'd like to be like the glorified Christ. And that we might have to help them. No, he's conforming it into his image. Uh, he he learned obedience by things he suffered, and uh, he was acquainted with grief. He was uh, a man of sorrows, and that's what helped him and made him our sympathetic high priest who can identify with you in your time of suffering right now. But all of his attributes always work together. I know we, we study them and we bring attention to his sovereignty or his goodness, but all, he works all as God. You know, he, he is all of him and everything he does. So if it's judgment, it's a loving judgment. It's a holy love. All of those attributes work together. So if they're struggling with the sovereignty, they don't understand the rest of who God is. Mm. So when we're comforting somebody, it's also important to keep in mind it's not just one verse, mm-hmm. one conversation. Yeah. They're going to need comfort in kind of an ongoing, mm-hmm. maybe day after day, week after week period, particularly in in the midst of a, an acute situation. Right. So how do you continue to provide that kind of comfort? And then when do you move from that to kind of uh, stirring them up a little bit to kind of get over it and move on? Is there a place and time to do that? Well, boy, that's a... <laughs> We all know people who uh, have moved on mm-hmm. where sorrow hasn't controlled their hearts, right? When Jesus said to the disciples, why has sorrow filled your heart? Mm-hmm. And they were um, paralyzed. He said he was going away, and sorrow just took over and sort of paralyzed them 
in any kind of a, uh, a crisis, uh, a death of a loved one, it's, it's difficult. And I think all of us, I don't know everyone's situation here, but just having a dad who died and two brothers who died and close friends who have died, there's a time for sorrow. Even Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time to grieve. But even in grieving, we should have hope. Even in First Thessalonians, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Uh, when we think of God's character and his promises and uh, his deeds. But I think helping an individual have sorrow, but continue to love and serve God and other people, mm -hmm. even if it's limited, mm -hmm. uh, their focus still has to be in their sorrow to love God and love their neighbor. So it's not as easy as saying, all my sorrow has now passed, no, and now I can just go love people. You're still going to be hurting, and you're still going to have difficult days. But in those days, you're growing, you're depending on the Lord, you're finding joy in the midst of the trial because of who Christ is, and you, you just start uh, worshiping God through serving Him, whether that's on your own, in your time in the Word and in prayer, attending church, mm -hmm. and now starting to also focus on, well, there's other people here right. who are also hurting. How can I minister to them? Yeah, and it's when you see them isolate and just center around the loss of that person that it's become, in many ways, if they're not careful, it can be idolatrous. You know, it's, they're not, the Spirit of God is going to take us to be more like Christ. So even that their sorrow, which may stay there their entire life. Uh, and for some individuals, it takes months. For some, it may take a, a year or two before they're it's a new normal now for them. But whenever they have thoughts of um, their loved one, there's a sorrow. I think of Paul who said, I have uh, unceasing anguish in my heart. Great sorrow, he mm. says, for his unsaved loved ones. Mm -hmm. But Paul is also one who said, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Mm -hmm. And so in 2 Corinthians a chapter six, he says, I have, I'm sorrowful, yet I'm always rejoicing. Mm. And I think that's the balance here on earth that we all will have as Christians, mm -hmm. because there's enough sorrow uh, over loss of loved ones or unsaved individuals or just difficult things that have happened. But it doesn't stop us from being responsible mm. uh, to love and serve God and mm. other people and be obedient. But our joy is in Christ, so it's not one or the other, it's, it's both. Mm. But the sorrow can't overshadow and control our mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that could be devastating, and that leads to a point of despair mm -hmm. and despondency, where you really lose all hope. Right. Um, talking about the balance there of Paul being sorrowful and rejoicing, I'm even thinking about the Lord Jesus when uh, Lazarus had died and mm -hmm. Mary and Martha sent word, and of course he waited two more days on purpose, yes. right, to show God's power in the midst of the situation. But even when he arrives to the tomb there, we read the shortest verse in the Bible, John 11:35, mm -hmm. that Jesus wept. Yeah. And as I studied that text a few years ago, just understanding that he was in anguish, mm. and he it wasn't just one little tear running down his cheek, but there's a turmoil and anguish within him, I think maybe even just angry at the fact that sin mm. uh, has caused death in the world, and uh, maybe also just identifying a little bit with Mary and Martha, being friends with them. But if the Lord Jesus can weep and experience that kind of right. sorrow, yeah. certainly can we. 
Yeah. So no one's saying it's inappropriate right. to have sorrow. But as you said, if it's overshadowing our faith in God and our hope in God and the joy that we have in Him, mm-hmm. then there's something wrong. It, or Yes, and, and our responsibilities, mm-hmm. where we just stop. Mm-hmm. We cease going to work. We cease uh, caring for people around us. It's, it's where I stop doing what God's mandated for yeah. me to do. Uh, he's not asking me to, to uh, do what, in a time of grieving, to do uh, something that's impossible. He's just asking me to be faithful. Yeah. But you can do that with sure. tears. Yeah, and of course, Jesus stopped for a moment. And that's then, right. And then he continued. He yeah. raises Lazarus from the dead. He continues his Passion yeah. Week, which happened shortly after that, and went on to full obedience at the cross. So there may be a pause mm-hmm. in the midst of the of the tragedy right. or the heartache, yeah. the pain, but then there's always let's let's start to move forward. Uh, talk to me a little bit a little bit about the word hope. We said that uh, they they weep, but not as those who have no hope. There's a um, there's a contemporary understanding of the word hope, and then there's a theological understanding of the word hope. So uh, talk to me about that a little bit. Like the contemporary version, just like oh, I'm just hoping in hope, or I hope yeah. it'll get better. Yeah, I hope that somehow, some way, but it's just kind of undefined and kind of ambiguous. That's not what we're talking about here. What's the hope that Paul's encouraging the Thessalonians with? Yeah, the hope that you're referring. To is more our um, uh, English definition of wish. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope you'll feel better. I hope you'll come back. I, I wish. Yeah. But hope here is talking about a, a an effectual confidence mm. uh, in who God is and His promises, and usually with a future look. Mm-hmm. Very similar to faith, but grace. I mean, uh, hope tends to be faith looking forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, of who God is and his character, but his promises, specifically his promises. And that's what was going on here, is that Christ promised he would come back. That's not going to fail. Let me just help inform you, Paul would say, to understand it better. But no, Christ hasn't come back yet, but he is coming back, Mm -hmm. and they were looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. And you defined hope then as an effectual confidence Mm -hmm. in Christ and right. in his teachings. Yes, and, it, and it's specifically his promises, mm-hmm. uh, because that kind of says a future aspect to, aspect it. to it. And effectual just means that hope, it's as good as done, so it should affect the way we live right now. Yeah. In fact, in, uh, in the original language, a lot of the verb tenses are like that, where it's saying and speaking of something as if it's already done, mm. though it still has yet to have been fulfilled in the future because it's that certain in God's mind. Yeah. And he's saying that about your eternity. For everyone who's in Christ, when you die, you never have to be despairing about where you'll go or yeah. where that loved one went if they were in Christ. That's right. Then we know that we have hope that they're with Christ and we will be with them as we all uh, in Christ will worship and serve God together forever and ever. Right. What, what do you say to the person who doesn't have that security, that the individual who died maybe wasn't a believer, and so they're like, hey, I'm mourning, and I don't have hope. Yeah, and that, it, you know, you've been around in pastoral ministry enough that that's heavy mm-hmm. when a person says, I don't think they knew Christ. Mm-hmm. Or they'll say something like, I'm sure they they were not a Christian. And I don't want to, I, I like to get their focus not on the loved one who has died, mm-hmm. but where are they at, mm-hmm. and loved ones who are living now. Try to get their focus more uh, off the person, because that's that's done and sealed what, uh, in God, right? In, in God's, uh, e- they're either with Christ uh, or they're suffering uh, for the rejection of Christ. Mm. 
So I'm trying to get their focus more on where are they at and how can God use this in their life and the lives of people now who are still alive while there's hope for them. And I, the, um, I, I don't believe it's uh, in, in error or giving any false hope, but I will often say when they say, well, I, they weren't a Christian. And well, how do you know that? Were you with them when they died? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what happens at the end with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they were alone for hours. I don't know. Um, you're, you're hinting at the possibility of a deathbed confession. Uh, absolutely. That would be genuine. That's right. And God orchestrated. Right. I don't, and, and we can't necessarily rule that out. That's right. Where I just, I don't know. I didn't hear them curse God till the very end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of the thief on the cross. That was a, I don't think it's common of these deathbed mm-hmm. uh, conversions, but God certainly does it. Mm-hmm. And it may have been that they heard the gospel it was presented to them, and now they know they're dying, and in the privacy of their own heart, and they they confess Christ, mm-hmm. and they ask for forgiveness. I don't know where your loved one is, and I don't think you'll know for certain either. Mm-hmm. But we we have to get our attention not on where they might be, mm-hmm. but where are you and and the people are. Yeah. Still living. yeah, we want to give you hope today, mm-hmm. and you can have hope today right. in Christ, in the gospel, and in your security being with Christ, your inheritance in Him forever. Right. And certainly, we might hint at the fact that heaven's not about reu- reuniting with loved ones. Yeah. Do you think that's important to point out? I mean, it's like, in one sense, maybe we'll see them again, yeah. uh, but in another sense, heaven's, again, like I said, not about marriage, nor giving to marriage, yeah. nor family nor seeing grandpa again. Yeah. I mean, do you say those things to people you're working with? I, I don't make a big thing of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do, though, want to help them understand heaven is where Christ is, mm-hmm. right? Is where our God is. And if Christ isn't there, it's not heaven. That's what we need to be thinking about. I, I would not probably uh, go after, you might not ever see... <laughs> Uh, uh, your loved one who's in Christ, uh, I just want to emphasize that heaven is about seeing Christ, being yeah. with Christ for all eternity and sure. with saints. And I imagine we will, I mean, for all eternity. Yeah. I, I just don't know enough. God hasn't given us enough what it's all going to be like, but I think we're going to recognize uh, individuals there, Certainly. at least in Moses. I mean, all the, the different yeah. people and they and recognize yeah. Moses and Elijah. Yeah. We have Lazarus yeah. and the and the rich man, yeah. uh, the poor man, excuse me, and Lazarus. Or mm-hmm. uh, Lazarus, you know, recognize Abraham. Yeah. Uh, so we have an understanding, but we also, I think, it is important to just yeah. remind us that our ultimate hope is in the Lord That's and right. being united with Him, right. worshiping, serving Him, proclaiming right. the Lamb that was slain, who was That's been right. raised from the dead to receive all glory and majesty and honor and power for ever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. And that's where our hope lies. Our yes. hope lies in the fact we'll be with him forever and ever. And that's why we want to uh, make that truth the preeminent thing that we focus on with um, people when they're thinking about life and death, is that you can be with him forever through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and if that's their focus here, then they understand that there. You know, yeah. that's what will be there. But if their focus is all on their family here... yeah then they have a hard time making that switch. So it's a, a time to actually teach, inform them, this is why we're living now, yeah. is for Christ and uh, for his glory.
Thanks, guys. To our listeners, evaluate your own heart and life in terms of how you are comforted and encouraged by the imminent coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is this something you eagerly anticipate and that you are excited about and watch for daily because being with Christ is your greatest desire? If not, return to Scripture and sound doctrine and get your priorities straight. Think biblically and dwell on God's character and His promises. Your attitude about Christ, where your treasure is and where you turn for comfort when times get tough, will be reflected in how you comfort others. Other believers may be challenged, but also greatly comforted when you point them to Christ and His Word. May the Lord bless you as you seek to comfort one another with the same comfort with which God has comforted you. Until next time, take care. Thank you for joining us today on Care of Souls. We hope you were challenged and encouraged by the truth from Scripture and are better equipped to serve Christ in His church. Visit our website at 180ministries.org to learn more about our resources and services. Until next time, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. May the Lord bless you as you abide in Him. Thank you.